It is so good to be with you all this morning. Uh, I prayed with your prayer team this morning before church, and we got to the end of that, and I was like, you know what? I've been listening to the worship team uh, pouring into that space, and then we had this rich time of prayer, and I was like, I think I can just drive back to Alberta now and just go home, but I'm glad that I didn't. I'm glad that I stayed, and it is so good uh, to be with you. I want to bring a witness in this uh, very first moment to the power and the truth of God whose word goes out and never comes back void. And so, Leslie, as you read Psalm 29, this has not left me, this phrase, the word of God hovers over all waters. And, and if you're not familiar with the, the biblical biblical imagination that's going on there. You know, think back to Genesis 1. The Spirit of God was over the waters. And for the ancient Near East mind, waters was representative of chaos, of disruption, of those forces in the world that are beyond control. But friends, even as we've already declared in worship and and by worship for me, in worship we respond to the truth of who God is and how he's at work in the world. Amen? Amen? And so God's voice is over the chaos. It's over the disruption. It's over the change. And it's a word of hope. Leslie, you asked me as we uh, gathered, like, well, what's the title of your sermon? She's like, I don't know. Like, Glenn's just going to bring a word of hope and encouragement. Uh, I don't know about you. Like, I'm a straight shoot kind of guy. I need hope. And that hope is the person of Jesus Christ. And so um, I just want to be really clear from the get-go here. I am here to bring a word of hope about who Jesus is and how he's at work in our world, for my sake and for yours, okay? So um, when I'm not doing that, I get to serve this uh, lovely, diverse community of churches across Canada called the Evangelical Covenant Church of Canada. And we have churches and ministries from Vancouver to Montreal. And um, Uh, Over the last 30 years, I've been doing a lot of reflection in the last uh, several years. Uh, Not several years, actually in the last week. Uh, I did turn 50 on Monday. So um, I could also bear witness. That's a better... Last Sunday, I gave witness to the fact that I was turning 50 and the crowd said, (gasps) and the whole time I was preaching, I wasn't sure. Was that a response because I don't look like I'm 50? Or like, spare him, Lord, spare him. I mean, I am a dual citizen, so just in case you're concerned about my turning 50, that means I'm actually 40 U.S. with the exchange rate, okay? So that's how we work that out. Um, I am my day job. I get to serve this community of churches as president, superintendent, whatever you want to call me. But at the end of the day, I'm a follower of Jesus uh, who loves the church and wants to bear witness to how God's at work in the world, and it's a privilege. But I'm guessing that for some of you, and um, just in case you didn't know, the Junction is a part of that family of churches. And I've had the opportunity to be in this role for the last five years, uh, and I've had the opportunity to worship with you guys a couple times, but this is the first time that I've had the opportunity to speak, so thank you for that. Thanks for trusting me. Um, I always feel like I, my disclaimer can be like, what are you going to do, fire me? Um, no, you just won't invite me back. Um, but I just thought I, I didn't want to miss an opportunity. So I'm going to just, here's again, confession. I just want to be upfront with you all. I thought maybe just a brief infomercial, because some of you are like, what is this community of churches that we're a part of? And so if um, I'm going to just like, like I'm going to play you for a second, and I'm going to say, Glenn, Like, what does the Evangelical Covenant Church of Canada do? (laughs) That's a great question, church. We start and strengthen churches. We serve and support pastors and leaders. How do you do that, Glenn? We create spaces for people to connect relationally. We are a very relational family. 
it's a really significant piece for us. And probably more than ever, I don't know about you, um, my wife and I have been playing a lot of pickleball lately. And part of my experience is that like, we are just starved for community. I, I mean, I experienced that. There's a warmth here uh, that I'll just give witness to. It's good. And we're created for community and relationship. And so as a, as a church, um, we intentionally use the word family more than we do any sort of like institutional language. Um, and if you can't tell, I'm not really a very institutional guy. Um, so hopefully that's not freaking you out. But we connect people, we catalyze. Like I said, we start and strengthen churches, not only across Canada, but around the world. And so um, we want to be on mission uh, with the church. Like we believe that the church is the hope of the world because Jesus is the hope of the world and we're the body of Christ. And so um, we're catalyzing uh, not only across Canada, but around the world. We care. So that's also part of why I'm here today. We care about you, the junction. Like I have from the moment um, in the summer when Jesse said, hey, I'm, I'm moving into a season of transition. By the end of the year, I think that it's going to be time for a change. And then all of a sudden it's the end of August and tragically Jesse's dad dies. Um, and he says, like, I'm out. Well, we've been praying for your community. I'm praying for your community. When I was here in September, I met with the SLT, and I actually had the opportunity to have dinner with Jesse and Marie. Just because, again, that's who we are as the body of Christ. We actually want to show up and care for one another. It's important. You know, for some of you, you're like, well, why? I don't even know. Like, why are we a part of a broader community of churches? Because sometimes it's good for us to remember that we're not alone. Um, can you just hear this junction this morning? You don't have to be a part of our church. You get to. Like, we want you to be a part of our community. You don't have to. It's not an obligation. Um, but part of that opportunity is the reality that sometimes we go through moments of transition and challenge. And sometimes it's good to know, hey, we're not alone in this. And, uh, and that's a gift. And then lastly, we equip. Um, we want to create opportunities for people to, to grow and be trained. And even as you guys do that as a local church, what does it look like um, to live into that? We're in a season, uh, sorry, this might be getting boring already. Hopefully not. Uh, trying. Is it the middle two? No. This is, man, pardon? Yeah, I thought it was on. I did put it on. I feel like something's moving there. I'm not actually, my kids can bear witness. I'm not like the most technologically deficient person. Oh, there we go. Um, oh, you did that. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I'm really good if, I mean, if it keeps you awake, Gord, I can like just say next slide too. I'm all good with that. We're in a season in which we're intentionally inviting our community to pray. Um, I love the fact that you're actually training people, encouraging people to pray. And by prayer for me, it's actually we walk in friendship with God. It's a companionship. Again, it's not obligatory. We get to. We get to live in relationship with the creator of the cosmos who knows us by name and has heart for us, and it's beautiful. And so we're intentionally uh, focusing and inviting a season of prayer. A few weeks ago, um, next slide, we gathered our pastors. We always did that, um, or we always do this in the fall. We gather pastors and leaders uh, for a time of retreat in Canmore. And our theme this year was experiencing the heart of the Father through life's disruptions. It was just so good. I was sharing with the prayer team. It was such a powerful reminder to me that while I sometimes like want to chase after the elusive carrot called calm, I do have four kids, all under 15. Friends, it's a lot. Like it just doesn't happen. And I was, I was convicted so deeply that peace is not a state of being. Peace is a person. Jesus is our peace. And no matter how high the waves go, no matter how hard the wind blows, 
Jesus is there and God is with us, even as we've heard and given witness to already this morning. So that's a good thing. The highlight, though, for me of this retreat, next slide, was we have launched a new initiative. And Jason Charles, who's in white, he's uh, our pastor of City Collective, which is in Langley, BC. Um, But Jason is providing leadership and support for these four other interns. Uh, And so we've launched an internship initiative uh, because as a movement, we care about next generation leaders. And more than anything, um, and I love the fact that you're offering um, a life group for new believers, we actually take seriously the developmental journey of followers of Jesus. We actually want to live into the call to make disciples. And so we're on about that as a community of churches, and I'm glad you are too. Next slide. Um, This weekend, I actually, part of the reason that I was here is for you, but the other reason is uh, my family and I were at the harbor, and if you're not familiar with that at all, um, five years ago, I got a call from Rick Dickieson, who lives in Belfort, and he said, what do you think about us buying a camp? And I said, well, who's us? <laughs> Just be clear about that. Um, but as we talked about it and we began to cast this vision and we identified this family, um, what began to like grow was this deep sense of call and invitation uh, to plant the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven on the east side of Cooney Lake. And it is amazing, uh, three years after Mark and Jess Hagen and their family moved out from Alberta, not all things in Alberta are bad, um, you know, to see expressions of ministry not only at the harbor, and I hope some of you have had the opportunity to be there, next slide, um, to know that we're two years into uh, Headwaters Discipleship School, which runs in May and June. Again, an incredible heart for next generation discipleship and just creating space for young adults uh, to know and experience something of the heart of the Father for them. But then um, lastly, in the midst of that, we were gifted, uh, next slide, this, um, you can't totally see it, but I would highly recommend you just go and visit Rowe Neighborhood Coffee, which was uh, the community church in Ryandale that has now been, like, make no mistake, there is now an espresso machine in there, but it's holy ground. And uh, yeah, I mean, apparently we got some coffee lovers in the house. Uh, it's good. But to hear Jacob and Jamie, uh, who are the barista pastors, talk about the way they are embodying the gospel for that community. It is awesome. And I am so grateful that we can be a part of that. And and guess what? You are too. As part of our family of churches, we're all in on this. And it's awesome. So I'm so grateful for the opportunity to see that. Um, Two more slides uh, before I launch into the word. Can, Can I just acknowledge this? And sometimes there are no words. But as a community of churches, we stand against anything that takes life anything that brings destruction. Like, there are no words in part because the complexities of brokenness and sin are such that, like, I'm not taking... The only thing that I'm actually for is life. And the sparing of life and the sacredness and the sanctity of life. And I'm for that. Um, The kingdom of God, in case you didn't know this, does not actually fly a particular flag. If there's a banner that the kingdom of God waves, it's that of love. And so, um, would you join us in praying for what's going on in Gaza? It's a mess. That's an understatement of the day. Um, And then lastly, similar messy, uh, next slide, tomorrow. um, It's been close to five years, definitely affected by the pandemic. um, But we are definitely engaged globally in some particular regions, and Haiti historically has been one of them. And so tomorrow, we actually have a team of six people um, who are going to Haiti. Because, again, maybe it's part of our relational sense of mission and ministry. Um, It's just powerful to show up for people. And it's been five years 
since we've been able to actually send a team where we felt it was safe enough um, and our partners on the ground were saying it's okay uh, for you to come in, but that group is heading there tomorrow. And so um, let's just pray for that, that God would uh, keep them safe on their journey, that the kind of ministry they would do would uh, represent us as a community of churches well, and that ultimately people would be loved and served through this trip. Amen. Hey, um, and any of you know a guy? Like, I, I know a guy. Um, he may or may not have turned 50 on Monday. But, but that guy, when he was six years old and, and in his home church in Muskegon, Michigan, maybe I, I was thinking about this as the kids were sitting up here, his community prayed over him as he went off to Sunday school. And he heard this story from 1 Samuel in which uh, the boy Samuel, who, I mean, it's sort of a creepy, weird story. Uh, Like the kid sleeps in the temple next to the Ark of the Covenant. But in the middle of the night, he hears a voice. And he goes to Eli, the priest, and says, like, yes, Eli, what is it? Eli, like all parent types do, go back to bed. And Samuel goes back and he hears the voice again and he goes back just assuming there's no one else here. Yes, Eli, what is it? Go back to bed. After a while, Eli finally clues in. He says, you know what? If you hear that voice again, simply say this. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And, and that guy, his imagination was just sort of sparked by that. Like, you mean that God actually speaks into people's lives? God actually calls out to people. And, and that same guy, almost 30 years ago this fall, ended up having this sense of call of all places. You ever want to know that God actually speaks? That guy got called to go to Prince Albert, Saskatchewan for eight months. And let me just tell you, they were the wrong eight months in the course of the year. From September to April, that guy lived in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. But that led to then a call to actually, I mean, again, like bearing witness, that guy ended up at the coast in British Columbia for the first time. And was very, very happy to get a British Columbia driver's license. But invited into a church in which they said, you know what? You're 20 years old, but you love Jesus and you want to do something good for his name. And so why don't you be our part-time youth director? And I could tell you all about that guy, but I won't. But that guy today lives with a sense of call that God is up to something in the world and he invites us into it to actually be agents of salt and light. That the songs that we were so skillfully led into this morning, they're not just a cute or good tune and they're not great lyrics. They actually mean something. Dare I even say they're a bit of a manifesto. That when we actually say, like, build my life, on what? On the truth that God loves us desperately. God is at work in the world, and he invites us into it. I mean, that that guy, he his eyes aren't as good as they used to be. You can go to the next slide. I mean, don't just take my word from it. I love this passage from Ephesians. Again, this might be the next round of build my life. I mean, build my life, God, on this, that God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Just let this sink in. The word doesn't come back void. Saving and And again, not a small vision of saving. I mean, this is the kind of saving that's big. It's transformative. It's changing. It's redemptive. 
It's the kind of making all things new that God is on about. It's all his idea and all his work. You hear that, church? God is at work. He's doing it, not by my strength, not by my might, but by your spirit, O oh God, Scripture says. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. Isn't that awesome? Love that. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. I did it. I'm the president of the Evangelical Covenant Church of Canada. I know a guy. No. No. We neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we better be doing. Again, not because we have to, but because we get to. We're co-creators. We're co-regents. We're mission partners. We're mission friends. And Junction, today, can you just hear anew that God is calling you as individuals and as a community to be about his good work? Not because you have to, but because you get to. And it's good. Now, I, I know, like, we got baggage. I'm 50, I got baggage. Like, some of us receive that or hear that or read that. I was like, I, I don't know. Like, there's some filter. I don't know. It's like the Bible answer man's there. And it's like, no, actually, this sounds like obligation and have to for me. So just give me at least 15 minutes, please. And we'll see if we can, like, get some freedom in the house to break up those lenses. Let's go to the next slide. I, um, any of you have a hard time picking out clothes in the morning? I mean, I've made a, my wife is not here. I, like, I promise her, anytime I go out to speak, for that matter, anytime I preach, I will make you look good. I promise. I have two daughters. I promise all my kids, I will never make you embarrassed in the midst of a sermon. That's like, or I'd probably have to pay them money or something. But like, I, I do, I, and I'm not gender stereotyping in any way. Actually, I do this. It's like sometimes it's just like, what should I wear today? It's like, I, I didn't actually put any thought into what I wear, wore today, okay? But I found myself in seasons of life where I love to try on the clothes of Scripture. I mean, that guy grew up, and in that journey, he found that not only did he read Scripture, but sometimes Scripture reads us. And, and I love, I don't know if you've experienced that, those times when God actually speaks into your life through His Word, and you're like, that's me! That fits. That looks good. As a leader, I found myself in this season again uh, asking, like, what's, what are, what's the scripture clothing to clothe ourselves in? Um, you, you may have seen one of my teachings online during the pandemic. In the pandemic, like for me, it actually was the Exodus narrative and this, uh, the reality of the land between that moment when we know something has dramatically changed and we can't go back to what was, but we're not exactly sure what the future looks like. I mean, that for me in a nutshell is the exodus movement of God's people from Egypt to the promised land. And, and we've all experienced it, right? Like, I, it was, again, it was just like, let's straight shoot. Like, seeing Jesse's letter on the bulletin board... Like, I know that. You as a community, when you receive that word from a trusted friend and pastor, it's like, oh, something has changed. 
There may be some of you here who are in the midst of, you got a call from your doctor that you didn't want. You're in the land between. You didn't ask for it. It's not always bad. Sometimes it's good. Maybe there's someone in the house that uh, is expecting a child. That's a different kind of land between. You're pregnant. Some of you maybe have been on the receiving end of, can you step into my office? You're in the land between. I tried that on. I was like, no, no, I don't think that's it anymore. Um, I went from there to thinking a lot about the exile narrative. So like all the prophets speak into Israel's time in Babylon. And again, maybe this was just me internally trying to make sense of some of the chaos and brokenness of our world. In which, um, again, in my lifetime, I think I and the church have experienced a lot of social and cultural favor from the world we live in. And there's a lot of days where I actually sometimes feel like there are times where I'm in conversations and just by virtue of being a follower of Jesus, I get the distinct impression or people have actually told me, you're not a safe person because of that that there's some sort of alienation going on because of my faith. And, and I'm not going to rail against it in the sense of like, I'm not against the world. Like God's heart is for the world and that heart beats love. But I won't avoid the fact that, especially in North America, we're living in a moment in which like there's, like regardless of what kind of language you use, like there's something broken going on right now between the relationship of the world and God's people. And so that exile narrative, like it sort of fits. But you know, as I tried that one on as well, I was like, no, that's not quite right either. And do you know why? Like I, I sat with this as I came back with my family from visiting our folks in the States. Like what is going on there? Why doesn't that feel right? I was like, again, and I... I think the Old Testament is powerful. But I was just like, I want to be a resurrection person. I want to be a person who lives on this side of the cross and on this side of an empty tomb. And, and I don't know about you, but I just need some hope that in the midst of dark days, in the midst of seeing my news feed that's filled with everything that's going on in Gaza, and it's just 11 months. I was in Israel and Palestine 11 months ago. And like to know that there are people that we met with that are completely afraid for their lives in the face of that kind of darkness and that kind of brokenness, I need to know that there is mo something more going on in this world. I shared with the prayer team, I, the number of times, and I, again, I'm sure in this room, there's people who have read Revelation and have all sorts of different takes on it. But I actually think revelation is a word for disciples living on the edge. In the midst of the now and the not yet. And what does it look like to be faithful? I mean, where I ended up landing was actually in 1 Peter. It explicitly reads, and it's not always like nice reading. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of brokenness in 1 Peter. But does it ever ooze with hope? I mean, check this out. This is from 1 Peter 1. Uh, go back one. Therefore, with minds that are alert, fully sober, awake. Are we awake this morning, church? Do we need to go on a road trip over to Roe or just go out and get some more coffee? Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. And friends, it is being revealed, and it will be revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, again, he called you, the one we sang about a few minutes ago, holy, there is no one like you. He calls us to be holy. I mean, pause game for a second. I do have four kids. Sometimes I just have to say pause game. If anyone, and sorry, this is the bad news portion of the morning. Do any of you think that God's heart and desire, 
his greatest desire for you is that you would be happy. Maybe, um, let, me, let me target a specific group in the people. Uh, sorry, specific group of people in the room. To those of you that are married, <laughs> do you think that God's greatest call on your marriage is that you would be happy? I think it might be, I, I hope it's a side benefit. I actually think God's greatest desire for us is that we would be holy. And that we would actually experience something of his holiness. Again, speaking to the married folks in the room and not discriminating against anyone else. That actually in those moments, when somehow the edges of Becca meet the edges of Glenn... No, I'm not making any other kind of like references here. But like, it's actually that I would become a more holy person. Be holy in all you do, for it's written, be holy, because I am holy. Next slide. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. I mean, I just want, like, do we need some translation there for a moment? Do we need to just, like, let that sink in for a moment? Like, for me, that just screams of intentionality, of depth. It speaks of maturity and strength. I, I found myself, as I live now on this side of 50, and know the earth is not flat, nor do you, you know, somehow miraculously, like Enoch, do we just jump up into heaven when we turn 50. It's just like longing for that kind of depth and maturity and investment in things that are really real. I mean, velveteen rabbit kind of stuff. Christ was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these times for our sake. It's through Jesus you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Again, worship team, just come back up and sing, build my life. Thank you. I mean, that we would actually be marked with love. I mean, the kind of love that you know, John, the apostle of love, he says, Jesus comes full of grace and truth. Like, oh, how I long that the church would not be marked by a spirit of antagonism in any way, but by a spirit of love. That's the invitation of scripture. Sometimes love is hard. Love might in this season of our life together look more like asking questions than making declarative statements. Love might require us to be curious about what's going on in our neighbor's lives more than it is about like somehow being lulled into some sense of judgment over them. Love might look like bearing well with one another in this season. That might actually be the call I know a family. I may have given them a shout out already. Their last name is Hagen. They sold everything they had in Alberta and they went all in on a move to the east side of Kootenai Lake. Why? Because they experienced something of the call of God on their lives to be about bringing hope to young adults. 
I mean, I think about call in this way, uh, and it's not unique to me. Next slide. And, and I wonder if we could think about this both individually and together as the junction, especially in this season of, of change and transition and being open to what God, by the power of the Spirit, might be doing in this place. Are, are we clear about the general call of God? I mean, I, I've always found this so liberating. I mean, as a high school student, as a young adult, I was so keyed in on the specific. What is God's will and plan for my life? And I was so worked up about that that I actually just like completely glossed over everything that is abundantly clear. It might be 80-20 kind of abundantly clear. What does it mean to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus? And again, I make no assumptions in a room like this. I know that we're all in very different spaces and places. And so some of you might actually be here and like, I'm not actually sure. What do I believe about Jesus? What do I believe about God? What do I believe about the Holy Spirit? But unapologetically, like, I, I was so lulled into this sense of like, like the girl, or the marriage, or the job, or the like, or the immediate, what should I do this afternoon? That I was completely glossing over all those things that are abundantly clear in God's word. God, what are you speaking to me? Well, maybe just open up God's word and read it and be shaped by it and have those moments where uh, Pastor Eugene Peterson says, uh, not only do we read it, but it reads us. And be like, oh, well, m maybe this is what, like, blessed are the peacemakers. I think that is something of the general call of God. That his followers, that his people would be uh, absolutely addicted to pursuing the shalom of God. Like, wholeness. I'm not talking about the absence of conflict. I'm talking about God's wholeness. Not only does God long for us to be holy, H-O-L-Y, he longs for us to be whole. Because we're broken. Or at least I am. I know a guy, he's broken, but he is saved by grace, and God is putting him back together. And that's something of the general call. What, what is the general call of God on the junction, in this season, in this moment? I'm I think I'm experiencing something of it. Like, don't give up gathering together to worship God. Don't forsake one another. Pray for one another. Care about your neighbor. Be on mission. Don't tire of doing good. I mean, I don't know what that looks like in particular here. And I don't know what the specificity of that looks like for your life. But that's God's call on your life as a church. How, how about this? Can, can you try this one on? Be people of hope. Friend, uh, Junction, like the light shines in the darkness and the darkness doesn't overcome it. Next slide. Um, I, I just, I think about this calling a lot. I love this quote from Oz Guinness. Calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, everything we have is invested with special devotion and dynamism. It's alive. It's lived out as a response to his summons and service. Isn't that good? Like, what, what is the word? Like, if there was one word that jumps out to you in that quote... What, what stands out to you? What word gets repeated more than any other? Everything. I mean, for those of you with active scripture imaginations, doesn't this sound like Romans 12? Again, Pastor Eugene in the message. Here's what I want you to do. Take it all. You're waking, eating, working, going to school, married, parenting, I'm paraphrasing, and give it all back, everything. This is what worship is. 
again, major props. I, I love your team. They're awesome. But friends, if, if your notion of worship is singing a song on a Sunday morning, like, oh Lord, open your eyes. Like, free us to live lives of call in this way. Uh, how about this? Maybe that's too long, too heady for you, too abstract. I, I like this one from Frederick Beekner. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. How, how many of you long to be at that intersection? I want to be there. Like that, that, that oozes for me of giftedness and invitation and opportunity. Junction, maybe specifically, I'll call out the SLT. In this season, in this moment, what is the intersection? I mean, literally, you stand at a junction. Maybe this, we're going to rebrand right now. We're rebranding your church's name. You think it's about a highway intersection? What if this is the junction? The place where the world's deep needs meet your great gladness. I mean, sorry, I, I should have remembered your name. Like, uh, leading the New Believer Discipleship Group. Bruce. Like, <laughs> I mean, how many people just like, hey, we should have a life group in Nelson and invite a bunch of people over who don't know Jesus. Because we have to. Like, I'm guessing you feel a deep sense of joy and opportunity to come alongside people. Like, I know a guy, his name is Bruce. He's living out his call by inviting and creating space in his life and his family on a Monday night in Nelson. So people might actually be exposed to something more that God has for them. Isn't that good? I mean, that's the kind of stuff. I mean, you're a friendly audience. Like, that's the kind, I'm like, I just like, I want to step back. Like, this is the good stuff. Like, put the news feed away sometimes. Like, let's stand at this intersection and let me tell you what's going on. I mean, let me tell you, I know a church. I know a church that was birthed out of vision for next generation. They thought, you know, what, what, would, what would, like, our great delight be? Oh, I know. Let's make craft dinner. And let's take it to a school. And let's feed kids. I mean, who doesn't love craft dinner after school? Sorry, lunch. But like, like do, do, you, do, do, you, do you know that church? I, I hope so. That, that, really, that was part of the DNA of the junction. It was Jesse coming out here from Nelson with a vision to connect and engage students at lunch hour. How? By making a bunch of crap dinner. Jonas, I see that hand. You want some KD right now? This church knows how to make craft dinner. I better hurry up. That's probably my son's way of saying, Dad, you got to get going here. Um, like, isn't that, like, spirit, like, help people to process what that would look like for their lives. Maybe just in wrapping up, like, can, can I just read a few more passages of scripture that hopefully won't come back void, but maybe you can find yourself in this? Maybe, again, Maybe this is for the junction. How about this for a general sense of call for you and your community in this season? Your chosen people. Can, can we embrace that? Can we embrace that? God chose Jesus, but guess what? Newsflash, you're the chosen. Apparently a TV and film crew is coming to the junction really soon. A royal priesthood. Again, not trying to get anything weird here, but we actually and long for, and I love kids, just, you know, I preached a lot of sermons as my kids grew up uh, with them in my arms. But like, we are a community of churches that embraces, yes, we serve and support pastors and leaders, but I deeply cling to the reality that there is a priesthood of all believers, and we're all on, in on it. 
God actually sets apart some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. Why and how? To equip the body. So if anyone here in this room thinks, oh, hey, well, Pastor Jesse resigned, so um, like, let me know when the next servant of God shows up. Can we just like, do some sort of cartoon-like TNT drop on that? That's not how it works. You're called. You're gifted. I don't know what in what particular ways, and I don't know what immediate ways that God is calling you, but as a community and as individuals, as followers of Jesus, you are called. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Again, I think I heard that somewhere in the lyrics this morning. That even as my heart beats and every breath, great are you, Lord. I don't have a slide for this. I love this definition of the glory of God. Do you know what Irenaeus, he's an early church father, you know what he said that the glory of God was? A human being fully alive. Maybe you need to hear, maybe this is all you, maybe there's someone here this morning that needs to hear this. You are the crown jewel, the apple in the eye of the creator of the cosmos. The one who put all those gorgeous stars that you get to see with no light pollution out here in the Kootenays. The, the one who imagined that and spoke that into being. He sees you and he knows you and he's called you and he's gifted you. Why? Out of love to be on mission. So can we be a community here at the junction that stands and says, what does that look like for me? In curiosity and hopefulness and optimism for what God might do in and through us by the power of his spirit. Or how about this last one? One more slide. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain. Again, this is temple imagery in the book of Hebrews. That's his body. And since we've become, we have a great priest who is Jesus over the house of God, let's draw near. Let's encounter God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. No more shame, no more guilt, freedom. Again, can I just speak that over the junction today? That as you walk through the door, we prayed this. Specifically for the kids here. And for people who maybe felt like, I don't know, can I come in here? Like that this place would be covered with the banner of the love of God. That we would experience that. So therefore, let's hold unswervingly, unapologetically, straight to the point. Not like driving home to Strathmore this afternoon to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Like where does my hope rest? Where does my faith lie? Is it in my own strength? No, (laughs) it's not. It's in the living God. Let's consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, I think there is something informative for a community like yours about the Exodus narrative. I think there's something informative about the exile narrative. But oh, how I long that you would experience the living hope of God through Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite the team up. They're going to close us in a song. I probably have gone over time, but again, sorry. Um, where does this land? Like, where is it landing for you? 
if the word of God hovers over all waters? Like, where, where's God's word this morning hovering for you? Great image. God begins it. He'll see it through, and it's good along the way. It doesn't always feel good, but he'll see it through. It's good. Thanks, Tamara. One body fully alive. I, I hope... That this word, this, this is, here's my aspiration. If any of you, you can come and talk to me after if this is not where this is landing for you. But if any of you is experiencing even an ounce of obligation, or you should just pick yourself up by the scruff of your neck in this season or on this day, like, uh, I'm going to just, that's a, that's a lie. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll take counsel from the children's message. Like, confront that lie. That is not God's word for you. Because I know a guy. I know a guy who, when he was a teenager, he lived on the shores of a lake. It was a, I mean, they call it a sea, but it's really a lake. And he fished. And in the midst of his fishing life, he encountered someone who said, Come, follow me. A call. And he did it with a few other friends and some other guys, and they followed this person for three years, and, and there was an awareness of who that guy was. But even in the midst of that, there was you know, impulsiveness, and there was incredible passion, and there was incredible insight and incredible gift, but there was also like humanity to the point of actually doubting and disavowing himself from the one he followed. But that same guy, even as Gary was speaking Pentecost power of your community, that guy, even after disbelieving, publicly disavowing himself from Jesus, he was restored. He was renewed. He was made whole. And man, that guy could preach. And he dropped a word and people came to know and see and experience the power of God. And it wasn't Peter's doing. And it's the same guy who wrote these letters. It's the same guy who talks about living stones. It's the same guy who some scholars think wrote the book of Hebrews. And his testimony to the power of God's work in his life and the world goes on and on and on because of the power of the Spirit. Friends, you are called, you are gifted, you're not alone. Continue to live out your call of worship. Amen? Amen. Amen.